0: There was an Indian tribe who came to their chief. He was a new chief. He was a young chief. He was a modern chief. He wasn't so uh, familiar with the ways of the tradition. And uh, winter was coming. So the Indians came to the chief and they said, uh, Chief, is it going to be a cold winter? So he told them, well, for, for the time being, start gathering firewood and I'll let you know soon." So he's trying to buy some time, because he really didn't know how to uh, figure it out. What he did is, while they were gathering firewood, he ran off the reservation, and he called the National Weather Service. And he asked them, is it going to be a cold winter? And they said, yes, yes. All indications are showing it's going to be a cold winter. So he came back to the reservation the next day. They said, Chief, you said you would uh, let us know Uh, Is it going to be a cold winter? He says, yes, actually colder than I even thought. Gather more firewood. So the Indians went off and they gathered more firewood. And while they were gathering firewood, the chief ran off the reservation. He called the National Weather Service again to to double check. He asked them, is it going to be a cold winter? They said, oh, yes, it's going to be a very cold winter, even colder than we expected. He comes back to the reservation. The Indians come back from gathering the wood. They say, Chief, what what do you say? What's going to be the winter? He says, you know what? It's going to be even colder than I thought. You should gather even more firewood. So the next day, they went out and they gathered even more firewood. And as they were doing it, he ran off the reservation to check again with the National Weather Service. He says, what's going to be the winter? They said, it's going to be really super, super cold. He said, how do you know? The National Weather Service guy says, what, are you kidding? The Indians are gathering firewood like crazy. Okay, so this week Parsha Vayikra is the beginning of a new Sefer Sefer Vayikra, the third of the five books of Moses and this entire book deals primarily with the Korbanes, with the sacrificial offerings that were brought in the Besamegdash in the Holy Temple One of the offerings is called a mincha mincha is a flower offering as opposed to uh, being brought from an animal or a bird a mincha is brought from flour flour like made from uh, grain from wheat so regarding this korban it says the means a soul or in this case a person Kisakriv korban mincha lashem. when he will bring a korban mincha to Hashem. What is korban mincha? Korban means a sacrifice or an offering. All the offerings are called korbanes. Mincha is a special kind of offering, like we mentioned, flower offering. A korban mincha is a flower offering offering. <laughs> you know that's like. Did you go to the ATM machine? <laughs> ATM machine, right? ATM is Automatic Teller Machine. So it's Automatic Teller Machine machine. Or do you know your PIN number? Right? Personal Identification Number, Number. Or, you know, we, 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 by Yidin we do this. Pass me the Mayimachreim Vaser. Mayimachreim already means the last water. It's the water that you do after the meal. Mayimachreim Vaser. So the, 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 pass me the, the final water, water. Okay. So, korban mincha means flower offering, offering. Why does that say offering, offering? A mincha is an offering. Okay. So, Terez Kehanim, that's a medrash on Sefer Vayikra, comes and explains that the word korban is not uh, superfluous. God forbid, no word in teres is superfluous. Every word has meaning. And uh, words that appear to be extra and not extra, they're there to teach us something. And in this case, what does this this seemingly extra word come to teach us? It comes to teach us that in addition to bringing conventional offerings, the offerings that we know about, that the Torah speaks about clearly, the different sacrifices, uh, there are other offerings that are not officially offerings, but if somebody is so moved to be generous, they can come and donate these things to the Beis to the temple. And that is... Uh, they can come and donate oil, wine, incense, and wood. If They want to come and donate they, they something to help out, uh, you know, the, the sacrifices in the temple. So they can uh, 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 they can bring oil, wine, incense, and wood. Now, that, that's what Teraskanim the the says. Let me ask you a question. From these four things, which One of them is unlike the other three. Oil, wine, incense, and wood. Oil, wine, and incense all are included as part of an offering. They all go on the altar. They go on the Mizbeach. The wood is not part of an offering. The wood is just there to make a fire so you can burn the offering. So the wood is sort of like The odd man out, it's different than the other three. It's not actually part of an actual Corbin. It facilitates a Corbin, but let me me put it in, in words that might be more accessible or more relatable. Let's say a bunch of guys get together to make a barbecue and somebody brings the meat and somebody brings the salads and somebody brings the drinks. And somebody, somebody brings charcoal. Would you say that they all brought dinner? Now, we appreciate the guy who brought charcoal, but you wouldn't say he brought dinner. you're not eating the charcoal. The charcoal's not there to actually be one of the dishes that you eat. The charcoal is there to help burn fire so that you can cook the, the meat, and then you eat the meat. But the, the meat is part of dinner. The salads are dinner. The drink is dinner. Charcoal Charcoal's not dinner. The charcoal's important, but it's not the dinner. Well, korban means the actual offering, the actual sacrifice. The wood is not a sacrifice. It's not even a side dish. right? The, the, the oil and the wine and the, and, the, and the incense, those are like side dishes to a korban, like the condiments, you know, like the, the, the ketchup and the mustard of the korban, so to speak. But uh, the, wood, the wood is just there to facilitate. It's not actually part of any offering. So how come the word korban is hinting to the wood When the wood isn't even an offering, or even part of an offering. It's there to just facilitate or make possible the process that you have to do to the offering, which is burning it. Okay. So, the question is understood? Okay. So, I'm going to tell you a story. The story takes place in Soviet Russia, at a gulag, at a... uh, Soviet prison camp where there was a very cruel guard, very cruel commander of the, of the prison camp, sadist. And he, he enjoyed torturing people. So one day he called in one of the Jewish prisoners, a uh, Yid by the name of Reb Gedalia Yameshe Goldman who actually went on later to be the Zvila Rebbe. So he called in Reb G'dal Yemeshe, and the commander says to him, I'm ready to let you go free. All you have to do is sign your release papers. Sounds great, yeah? All you have to do is sign. But what did this sadist, what did this cruel commander do? He called Reb Gidal Yameisha it on Shabbos. So he put the papers down in front of Reb Gidal And Reb Gidal says to him, No, I'm not signing. Shabbos. So the commander says, Eight years you're going to remain here if you don't sign. You leave if you do sign. But if you don't, you're going to be here for eight years. Nebuchadnezzar says, and nevertheless, I'm not going to sign. So uh, the commander became furious. He says, what, what do you think you're doing? Nebuchadnezzar says, look, it's Shabbos. Hashem doesn't want me to break Shabbos. If Hashem wants to release me from here, He can release me without, a, without me having to break Shabbos. So I'm not really too worried about it. Hashem will release me if He wants. It's not, it doesn't depend on you. I don't, I don't need you to let me out of here. He says, and... and, 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 and uh, by the same token, on the other hand, even if you wanted to let me out of here and Hashem didn't want to let me out yet, so I would be stuck here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get out, even if you wanted to release me. So it really has nothing to do with you." This infuriated the, the commander, and he actually pulled out his gun. And at that moment, the commander's daughter walked in. And she saw what her father was about to do, and she said very calmly, very coldly, she says, "...it would be a waste of a bullet." So the commander put away the gun and he didn't kill Reb Gedal Ma'isha, but he was thinking to himself, you know, how can I uh, harass him more? So then he called in another prisoner, another Jew who was there in the prison camp. Reb Chaim Shol Brok, a well-known Mashpia. They used to call him Reb Shail was the nickname for Shoal, they called him Shael. And uh, Chaim was a name that was added by Yisbris. His name was was, was Shoal. Chaim was added later when he was sick. He got better, obviously, from that sickness and kept the name Chaim. And uh, in Lubavitch, he was known as Reb Shael Snofsker, Reb uh, Shael from Snofsk. So uh, Reb Shael, the... Uh, on the a well-known mashpia, it was a mashpia of Rabbi Elkan. As They bring him into the room, and uh, the commander says to to Rabbi Gedaliah uh, he says, "Here, the, here are the papers for your friend. Sign now." And he'll, he'll be released today. And if you don't, he's staying for another eight years. So the am down your mission, says, give me the papers. Commander says, what's going on? A minute ago, I asked you to sign your own papers, and you refused to. Now I say to sign this other prisoner, his papers, and I say, you know, give it right here. I'm ready to sign. El-Mesha says, very simple. I'm young. I'm healthy. Baruch Hashem, I can sit here for another eight years. But uh, Reb Shail, I'm worried about his health, and uh, for that, I'm ready to break Shabbos so that so that he can live. Well, the commander only meant it to, to taunt him. He meant it. Uh, he wasn't serious. And they stormed off, but the end of the story is, within a few days of that story, <laughs> both Reb Gedaliah and Reb Shail were both released from the prison camp, and the commander was removed from his post. At any rate, that's the story. A story is a story. So you don't ask why something happened the way that it happened. That's, that's the way it happened. But I told the story for a reason, told it to make a point. It's a story about a sacrifice, actually a story of two sacrifices. Let's talk about them. One sacrifice was when Rabbi Gedal made the choice not to sign his own release papers and to accept upon himself eight more years in a prison camp. That was a sacrifice, a very big sacrifice. That's a sacrifice that he made to preserve the sanctity of Shabbos. And it's very noble and inspiring. And uh, we wish, we hope, that if we were in that position, God forbid, we would have such strength and courage. Certainly a sacrifice. But then there was another sacrifice. The sacrifice that he was ready to make when the commander asked him to sign Remschel's papers. And he says, "Give, give them here. Let me sign. I'll sign right now. That was also a sacrifice. Because clearly... The fact that Reb Maisha would rather sit in prison for eight years than to break Shabbos means that he had an incredible sensitivity and a value and an appreciation for Shabbos. So it clearly was something important to him. And he was ready to break that in order to release Reb Sheol, which is also a sacrifice. He was ready to sacrifice his Shabbos in order to release Reb Sheol. So here's the question. They're both sacrifices. The sacrifice he was ready to make by enduring another eight years and keeping Shabbos, or the sacrifice he was ready to make by breaking Shabbos, losing his Shabbos, in order to get his friend let out of prison. But which was a greater sacrifice? Which of the two is a bigger sacrifice? So I'll tell you like this. Sacrifice means self-sacrifice. Ultimately, all sacrifice means I'm giving up something from myself, of myself. The benefit to me that I may gain is actually a contradiction to the whole idea of sacrifice. So if there's a sacrifice that brings me some type of benefit, even a subtle benefit, even a spiritual benefit, then on some level, it diminishes the degree of sacrifice. Well, in this case, if Rabbi G'dayah refused to sign the papers for himself, yes, it was a big sacrifice. But he did get to keep something. He got to keep Shabbos, which was clearly important to him. But if he signed the papers for Reb Sheol and gave up his Shabbos and didn't even gain any freedom for himself, he was only getting freedom for Reb Sheol. In other words, he would give up everything and gain nothing. That would be the ultimate sacrifice. Sacrifice means when I give everything up. I give everything, I gain nothing. So what would be the truest sacrifice? The second sacrifice, the one of signing the paper, not having Shabbos, and not even having my own freedom, only doing it for somebody else. It wasn't my intention when I wanted to tell this story, but when I started to think about it, it was impossible not to draw this connection this parallel (sighs) people in the future may be watching this video and not understand what i'm referring to i'm hoping even very shortly people will not know what i'm talking about right now but today as of right now the week of pashas vayikra tough Pei, we know that the situation is that we're supposed to be quarantined right now we're supposed to be self-isolating and generally speaking, everybody is complying. But there are some people who think they know better. They know better than the rabbanim. They know better than the doctors, and they want to take it upon themselves to go. Oh, they're saying they're doing it quietly. They're doing it unofficially. And 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 they're doing what they're not supposed to be doing. And they're making minyanim. And and I really hope this. This is not very many people at all. But. I've heard reports, people have told me that, it, that it's happening, and it, it's very disturbing to these, these, these people who think they know better. So let me explain something very simple. Very simple. If somebody told you to choose between davening and a minion and getting sick, and you said, I want to daven and a minion even if I'll get sick, I might be impressed. I might be impressed. I might think that that's sort of noble. Maybe I'd look up to you. But if you tell me you're making a decision between diving a minion and making somebody else sick, what right do you have? You want to sacrifice? You want to sacrifice your own self, your own health? That that maybe it is a decision. Uh, 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 ask, uh, ask a rov, ask a, a paisik, whether you're allowed to jeopardize your own health. But to jeopardize somebody else's health, th- th- no one in the world will tell you such a thing is permitted, or that it's noble, or that, or that it's holy very simple in this situation you're being asked to make a sacrifice a real sacrifice, and sacrifice means you gain nothing, you gain nothing this is not about you this is not about your health this is about somebody else's health if you don't care about yourself, care about others, so zayayid and make a sacrifice and give up your minion and your feeling, oh but it's oh but it's Hallel. You know what? That's called sacrifice. And that's what the Abishta wants from us. And not just to do it for ourselves, to truly do a sacrifice, to do it for somebody else, like Reb Gidal Yemesh was ready to do for Reb Sheil. At any rate, I hope, I hope that uh, I'm speaking to no one. I hope that doesn't even apply to anyone right now. Let's get back to our, uh, to our Parsha. We're asking a question, how come the word korban refers to the wood which isn't even part of a korban? <laughs> the oil, the wine, the incense, those are parts of a korban, not the main part, but they're, they're included in the korban, they're placed on the mezbeh, the part of the korban. The wood is not a part of the korban. So why is the word korban in Torah referring to, to the wood? Because the wood is more of a carbon than a real carbon. Because what is a carbon? A carbon is a sacrifice. And what is a sacrifice? When you give everything and you get nothing, the less you get out of it, the more of a true sacrifice it is. So when you give the flour or the oil or the wine, or the the oil or the wine or the incense, at least it's going to be included in a korban. Okay, so you're being giving, you're giving it to somebody else's korban, but at least it's part of a korban, and it's going to make a reach nichayach. It's going to make a pleasing fragrance on high, which is going to cause nachas ruach shamar shamarti The ebishtah is going to have nachas from it. But when you give the wood, the wood isn't even part of the korban. The wood isn't part of the nachas ruach It's just there to facilitate, to make possible the korban. And that's the ultimate korban When you're giving and you get nothing, not even a subtle spiritual payoff. We know that the whole Parsha Sakabonis in the beginning of our uh, Sedra begins with the verse, Adam Ki Yakrev Miken. When a person, from you will sacrifice. But it's not written, a person from among you, a person from you. It's written, a person will sacrifice from you. What does that mean? Sidis explains that the sacrifice has to come from within you. That Amban explains about Carbones that when you're making a behema, you're supposed to relate to the animal, you're supposed to empathize, you're supposed to identify with the animal, and you're supposed to actually have in mind that everything that's happening to that animal is really happening to you. So the idea of is that the person gives of himself. It's not a person who's giving something else. What are you really giving? You're giving of yourself. You're giving yourself. Now, the Torah uses the word Odom. Where else do we find the word Odom in Teira? talks about about not destroying fruit-bearing trees when you go out to war. But the Torah says, that a person is the tree of the field. So Hiravort. When is it the true Odom Kiyakrif Mikem? When is it that your sacrifice is really truly not just giving something that you own, but giving yourself? True self sacrifice, true giving, giving yourself away, giving away the Odom himself? He Odom Eats Asada. When you're giving the eights, when you donate the wood. Because from the wood, the wood isn't even part of the carbon. Which makes it, ironically, the ultimate carbon. The ultimate giving is when you give it all away. You're not part of the glory. You're not part of the fanfare. You're not part of a minion. You're not part of Kreishatayda. You don't get to say halal with a chazin. Why? So somebody else could benefit. It's not even for you to benefit. True selflessness, and, that, and that's Yiddishkeit. That's carbonis. Korban is from the word Kiruv. To become close. To become, come close to Hashem. How do you become close to Hashem? You don't come close to Hashem by being a yesh. By being an ego. E-G-O, edging God out. You come close to Hashem by being nothing. By being selfless. By giving everything and gaining nothing. And we should take Have in mind, at least to emulate, at least a little bit, the true selflessness, the true selflessness, uh, selfness of of, of of a gotayid like Reb Gedaliah uh, Meishe, and 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 even if we can't be on the level, at least at least to have that in mind, have that as the goal. What's true Yiddishkeit? True Yiddishkeit is when you gain nothing, not even the spiritual satisfaction of being part of the Nachas Ruach Lefonesh Shamarti not even being part of that. That's yiddishkeit. That's holiness. That's self-sacrifice. we should take live that or at least try to live it. David should uh, should help